0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Negotiation. On today's show, we speak with Mark Christofik, managing partner at S-Media, a television, print, and digital production company that provides advertising, marketing, and production in Canada and China, and also owns Snow Sports Media, which includes a ski travel show featuring different destinations around the world. We dive into Mark's experience developing relationships with Xinhua News Agency and Tencent, everything about the sport of skiing in China, including the demographics, locations, and Economic drivers and how the upcoming Olympics in Beijing is shaping the future of winter sports in China. Enjoy. So, I don't know the
1: full backing of the government of the infrastructure building, but the government is really driving the participation from the bottom up. And I think that's going to have, at the end of the day, a huge effect on the participation levels because you're seeing more and more and more kids at the early stage getting involved. Adults, people who are our age, you know, are trying it out, getting involved, but Skiing can be a bit of an intimidating sport to start at a later age, but you can see the kids coming up through the system, again through the schools, and through the backing of the government, that's where you're really seeing the the industry grow. And I think the Olympics are just going to be the start of it.
0: Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on today. Hey, thanks. Uh, Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Okay, so why don't you help give our audience a bit of an understanding? What's your background? And of course, how did you come to be involved in China? Well, it's
1: uh, it's a bit of a funny story. Um, you know, background-wise, uh, we're a ski company, a ski media company. Uh, ski television has actually been around in Canada since uh, 1979. A couple different ownerships, a couple different names, uh, but it's actually been on air for uh, over 40 years now in Canada. Um, and it's basically a ski travel show. So we go to different destinations around the world uh, and talk about skiing and ski travel and everything it has to offer. We're not so much about doing backflips off cliffs and all that great stuff that the, that the, the young guys do, but more people who travel, people who spend money, people who are going to go to Aspen, go to Switzerland, uh, go ski in Japan, whatever the case might be. Um, and about five or six years ago, we, uh, started to get very interested in the Chinese market. Um, obviously, uh, skiing worldwide is kind of. In flat in terms of its growth, um, so obviously always looking for for new markets and where's the growth going to come from? And China being uh, an emerging sport market, that interest only grew uh, with the announcement of the uh, the Beijing 2022 Olympics. Now knowing that winter sport skiing is going to be a state sponsored initiative and the growth of winter sport in China be really driven by the government, so that we really wanted to, to get into the Chinese market uh, with the announcement of, of the Olympics. So we were looking for a couple different ways of doing so and, and making different inquiries. And, uh, and then it all kind of happened very quickly, almost, almost by accident. Uh, a good friend of mine, Max Gartner, who is a, an Austrian Canadian legend. Um, his wife uh, is a former Olympic downhill champion. He's a former Canadian ski coach. Uh, he's a former executive. He was actually in China doing some consulting uh, on ski area development. And I just happened to see on Facebook that he was there. And I said, hey, man, what, what are you doing in China? Um, and he said, oh, this you know, doing some some consulting and so on. Uh, and I told him what we're trying to do. And he said, well, I've got the person you need to meet. And he happened to be on a junket with one of the executives from Xinhua News Agency, the Chinese state run news agency. So literally we had our first uh, call in, um, in, in October of 2017 with Xinhua. We had our first meeting in Beijing in December of 2017, uh, with Xinhua. And we were filming, uh, in, in China, all over China the following month in January, 2018.
0: There's a lot of really interesting stuff. Just in that, okay. So I I think a lot of let's start with this. A lot of people are very interested to expand their business, grow their business, maybe even start their business over in China for whatever reason. You alluded to, and what you were just saying is that you saw some signs. of some things happening in China. And yes, you pointed to the Olympics that are coming up. Let me ask you, what were some of those other signs? What were the things you were seeing? Was China already on your radar just because of, hey, population? Maybe there's an opportunity. Or was there some other reason that you thought China might be interesting? Hey, it's a little bit north. They get a lot of snow. There could be some stuff there. What were you seeing? What were those initial touch points that started drawing your interest?
1: Yeah, I mean... uh Obviously, population is the first thing that everybody goes to. Hey, it's a, you know, over a billion person market. Uh, wow. You know, if I just sell one per uh, whatever, I can make lots of money. Well, it was from the skiing world. It's, it's not quite so simple because it's an entire industry. But even before the Olympics, there were already signs of skiing starting to take hold in um, in China. Um, basically, there was in the mid 90s, late 90s, almost zero um, ski areas in China. Um, and their growth, basically, in about a 15 year period, went from no skiing to a ski industry in terms of the size of domestic skier visits, the size of Canada. They were, they were getting millions of skier visits and the growth of their ski areas were just growing exponentially. Now, it's not just, um, you know, not ski areas quite like we would call a ski area in terms of, you know, a Whistler or Silver Star or, or even uh, something you see in Quebec, but they have a number of ski areas like like a traditional Western ski area. And ski resort with hotels and gondolas and restaurants and and so on but they have loads and loads of little municipal hills with uh magic carpets and just little ski lifts in 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 um in very urban areas where people are learning the sport and then also a massive growth of indoor ski areas in southern china and northern china Everywhere there, their, their uh, indoor ski areas were absolutely huge, so they actually started building a whole ski industry um, you know prior to to the announcement of the Olympics. but then when the Olympic announcement came, that just accelerated even more so. so you could see the signs were there that it was an emerging market for the ski area and for winter sports, and that's what was most interesting to us.
0: You developed a relationship with Xinhua I think that. I think that must have been very difficult. That's a very, very prominent news outlet, news organization in China. I have a bit of a background of working in a little bit of media. I have a very good understanding of how controlled, especially anything with regards to opinion, is and how public it is allowed to be after it has to go through certain kind of regulatory and approval procedures. So tell us, how were you able to and what were the keys to your success to be able to build that relationship?
1: Well, I I think the, uh, the real key for us was... Um, you know, the nice thing is we're talking about skiing and we're talking about sport and we're talking about fun. So there's there's not a lot of controversy um, that that falls into what we're saying and what we're doing. But at the same time, we learned very, very quickly and the hard way. Um, we had a certain way of, of doing our our productions and what our productions look like. And and they already knew what our productions look like when we went into uh, signing our agreement. They had a good idea of what ski television already look like. So I think there's, there's two things that were, 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 very much the key to, um, to the success. The first was they actually wanted the Western validation of the ski industry. So when we actually first went into them saying, okay, we're going to hire a Chinese ski host. We're going to hire a Chinese speaking skier. We're going to have them on camera speaking Chinese. And they said, no, we want it in English. We want your Western hosts. We want Canadians talking about the Chinese ski industry in China. So that made our life that much easier right off the top. Um and then the second part was, you know, it, it, we learned very quickly what what are their key points that they wanted to talk about. They were really into emphasizing culture, uh regional culture even within China, whether it's in western China or central China or northern China, wherever we were filming. They really wanted to have an element uh, focusing on the culture side of of that area. The second is they wanted to just talk about how uh, the development of snow sports and development of skiing was leading towards their goals of of hosting successful Olympics. So by sticking to those key messages and is very, very government driven messaging, but very positive culture. We're ready for the Olympics. Um, You know, it's no different than a PR a uh, person at a ski resort talking about how great the resort was but it's rather the government talking about the overall ski industry rather than a resort talking about a specific resort so once we had that formula of okay well you know we know we need to talk about the ski area we know we need to talk about their preparedness for the olympics we know we need to talk about the the culture um then it became quite simple to produce the the product now the end product um, that was being filmed and that was being shown on the Xinhua network. I mean, the the, the views were absolutely huge. So I had to think uh, about 65 million views inside of China and then about another 55 million views outside of China on the Xinhua network. Um, that's over the course of about 36 kind of two, three minute videos. And they're very much, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's very, you know, it, it, I would almost say a little bit dry. Um, because it's, it's again, talking about, um, talking about preparedness and talking about how, how these areas are getting ready for the Olympics and how the skiers are are getting ready and so on. Um, but it's very, you know, very wholesome, clean kind of, uh, content, um, that, uh, uh, that, that, that had a massive amount of views.
0: Mm -hmm. So the Olympics had already been chosen to be in China. Correct. Yeah. that time, yeah, because I'm i, I, I there like eight years ahead or ten years ahead of 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 the cities that are chosen. Yeah,
1: right? I think if I remember correctly, it was 2016 um, when it was mm-hmm. announced, and yeah. we were we were there building our relationship at the end of 2017 and filming in, in right. 2008.
0: Okay, yeah. and then really quickly, just what is the demographic uh, size of that of the the ski industry in China?
1: So they have, um, about, I think 700, um, 700 ski areas now, and they've had 21 million skier visits. Um, and just to give you that, that idea, their skier visits rival that of the skier visits in Canada. Now their challenge that they have in, in China, um, just as a side note is people who ski and who want to spend money to ski, um, don't necessarily want to ski in China. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, why would I spend money to go to Chong to ski when I could just jump on a plane from Beijing and be in, in Tokyo or Japan and go ski Japanese powder. So there's, there's places like Japan and Australia and so on who are marketing heavily because there's so many Chinese skiers going to that area. China has the issue of like, how do we keep our domestic skiers here and wanting to ski in China? It's like if we were living in Canada, but nobody wanted to ski in Canada. Um, But we're lucky. We have have obviously the natural resources where people want to ski in Canada. Chinese skiing isn't quite the same. It's not quite the same experience.
0: So is it anything to do with the I, I didn't even know how to put this the almost the 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 booginess of being able to go abroad to ski versus staying at home right the uh, or or is it actual infrastructure or are they of the knowledge and and critical nature with regards to even snow quality that is that is driving them to go abroad? Well, I, th- I think it's,
1: I think it's a little bit of everything. I think there's that whole sort of, you know, like say the bougie-ness of saying, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather go skiing in Japan than staying here in China. Mm-hmm. Now things have changed since I was there last because, um, uh, Chongli, which is, uh, about, uh, I think three, three or 400 kilometers outside of Beijing. This is one of the Olympic venues. Um, it was, uh, a, f- you know, to get out of downtown Beijing to Chongli, where there's a number of ski areas, uh, is about a five-hour drive. Once you're dealing with Beijing traffic and all, all that <laughs> kind of stuff, um, and Chongli has they have Wanglong Ski Resort, they have Secret Garden Ski Resort, they have Taiwu Ski Resort. These are all as bougie as nice as any Western resort, and they've they've brought in all Western developers to really? make it feel very Western. Yeah, they're absolutely beautiful, right down to the. Starbucks at the bottom of the gondola, uh, you know, actually we have it on film, you know, they, you, you go into the pub and they serve you, you know, everyone's dressed as cowboys and serving you big hamburgers. And, you know, it's, it's, they're trying to really give it a Western, Western feel to it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the, the hotels are beautiful. The infrastructure is beautiful. And like I say, it was about a four or five hour drive from Beijing. Now what's changed as part of the infrastructure for the Olympics is they now have a high speed train, straight from Beijing into Chongli. So that's now a 45 minute train ride into that area. So now I look at it and say, okay, you've got 22 million people who are 45 minutes away from a major ski town. Um, so that's going to change things immensely. Now that, that, uh, that, that, that bullet train was just being finished right uh, as the pandemic hit. So I haven't been since there since it was operational uh but that's going to be a game changer for the ski industry there and chong is an interesting town because it's you, you drive down the main street and it's 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 pretty like anything else. What we would consider a small town versus small town in China is, is slightly different. Uh, but it's it's literally ski rental, restaurant, ski rental, restaurant, ski rental, restaurant all the way down uh, the street for, for kilometers and kilometers on end. So um, I think I think that train going to Chongli is going to be a massive game changer for the ski industry in China because it's now so accessible to such a massive population
0: in, uh, in Beijing. All right. Could you lay out uh, maybe the, the game pieces on the board for me? So I'm talking about government. I'm talking about media. I'm talking about infrastructure like ski hills. I'm talking about the consumers or the users or the clients of, of the ski hills. I'm talking about apparel. I'm talking about equipment. Um, even potentially the Olympic Committee in China getting involved and getting behind how are these all playing together in what's happening with the sport in China right now?
1: Well, I think the the biggest the biggest part was uh, the, the government announcement, whatever it was, two or three years ago, saying we're going to have 300 million snow sport enthusiasts or winter sport enthusiasts by the time the 2022 Olympics come around. That's kind of been the driver behind everything. Um, now, what does that mean? it's it's that's a bit it's a it's a pretty broad statement without really saying what it is, but we've seen directly that you see a lot of skiing and winter sports making its way into school programs. you see you go to the ski hills you see a lot of kids and schools and programming there uh, built into getting kids a lot more involved in in the sport interestingly um, you know and that that sort of comes from the the the, the structure of the uh, of the, or sorry the infrastructure of, of building up the ski resort ski hills, what the government backing of that infrastructure is is i don 't really have a feel for that because i, I have met a couple owners of uh, of ski resorts there and they're they 've definitely had like any ski resort in uh, in 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 the west you know struggles during uh, uh, harder years and 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 uh, years where they've had a lot more success so i don't know the full backing of the government of the infrastructure building but the government is really driving the participation you know from the bottom up and i think that's going to have at the end of the day a huge effect on the participation levels because you're seeing more and more and more kids at the early stage getting involved Adults, people who are our age, um, you know, are trying it out, getting involved. But skiing can be a bit of an intimidating sport to start at a later age. But you can see the kids coming up through the system, again through the schools uh, and through the backing of the government. That's where you're really seeing the the industry grow. And I think the Olympics are just going to be the start of it. I think uh, you're going to see actually an explosion of winter sport and skiing uh, in China in the five years after the Olympics.
0: What about geography? I think. Obviously, in the sport like skiing, geography has to make a, you know, make an impact. has to has to be somewhat of the what are the depending factors in the in the equation? Can you actually kind of lay out the topography of China a little bit? In where are the areas that just given the natural conditions we're going to see skiing really take off?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's and it's no different than than the U.S. Um, you know, you start to get a little bit south of Beijing. You know, Beijing being now I don't want to get I don't want to get caught up on you know be ignorant over the geography, but Beijing's more in the north of the country, center north, and then but you get south of Beijing and get towards Shanghai and so on. And I know this with our dealing with Xinhua, they're really trying to push winter sports in more southern China because there's absolutely no knowledge interest it's 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 about as popular as skiing is in florida in the in the u.s it's there's no real interest in winter sports in the southern parts of china but you get into um, areas around um uh, obviously beijing with with the olympics and with chongli with so much being accessible to that massive population of 22 million people in beijing That's a huge part right there. You get into central parts of China around the Xi'an province, you know, there's there's direct access to the mountains as well. Um, And then you get into the northern uh, parts of, of, of China and the far western parts of China in areas like like Harbin. In uh, the Jinlin province, up in uh, in northern China, or you go far west into the Urumqi. I know it's a bit of a controversial area, but there's amazing mountains and skiing um, in the Xinjiang province as well. So there's there's obviously massive pockets of population. Like I say, Urumqi, I think, is considered a, a a small little city, and it's a, a city of whatever six or seven million people. Um, and uh, we were actually in in a town. um, of Yan Yan Y A apostrophe A N, um, which is uh, just north of uh, of Xi'an, and they're they're calling it a village, and there was a million people, Um and we actually went to a ski area that is again full on part of an urban development. They're building ski areas as part of their urban development in in these areas, so I think there's. You know, China is a massive country, obviously, and a massive population. But everything from Beijing north and west, I think there's 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 a lot of pockets where where you're going to see the sport grow a fair bit. But I think it's going to really center around the Beijing area, obviously, um, and then in the in the northern parts, in uh, um, you know, around Harbin and uh, and and so on.
0: Another question, kind of related to that, when I was in China, I did spend some time working with a. A company that had gotten into, I would say, real estate, and they were doing it through creating attractions, such as uh, their own version of a Disneyland or golf courses. And so they were taking land that was probably cheaper for them to buy, giving it value by creating the attraction in the hopes of then monetizing substantially off of the surrounding area in a real estate play. So I know it sounds a little convoluted, but this is all the way it came around. Do you see the development? And I'm kind of curious about... The revenue economic drivers of developing ski hills because I know those need to be there for people to be willing to invest to build them because they're obviously not cheap to develop. How do you see ski hills and the the entire thing uh, developing uh, economically? The drivers behind ski
1: ski hill development. You know, I think I think that's that's a good question because the um, all the the ski areas that I went to the only one that I saw was just a small little. Um, Ski Hill, uh, about 100 kilometers outside of Beijing called uh, Vankai uh, Xinjinglong uh, Ski Resort. And that's the only place where I saw actual what looked like weekend homes and real estate development and so on around it. Um, every other resort that uh, that I had been to is more like the... Um, if you build it, they will come model, uh, of building the villages, the restaurants, the big, uh, luxury resorts, uh, where people will travel to and make it a vacation destination. Um, I, I have found that, uh, the Chinese resorts, uh, have done a very good job of identifying that not everybody's going to be a skier. Um, so every resort has lots of other winter activities, whether it's tobogganing, sleigh rides, um, various different, you know, little go-karts in the snow that they have that are actually like little little tanks and so on, um, uh, snow tubing. They've, they've done a very good job of building the attractions of people saying, okay, you know what? I want to go play in the snow. Not necessarily everyone's going to be a skier or snowboarder and spend all their time on the ski resorts. But like I say, the, the resorts that I I've been to have been really that build it and they will come type, um, model with, with huge hotels, restaurants, dining, villages, and so on, um, both both at the Olympic venues and, and at the non-Olympic venues as well to make them real destination um, uh, resorts.
0: The last question, then we're going to get into actually talking about ski TV, which I know we need to get to. In North America, something that, again, I've, I've noticed, and we could talk about the crankworks and Whistler and things like this, is... They're starting to really get smart about complementing the, the revenue drivers of a ski resort with summer activities like the downhill mountain biking and really bringing a full circle, almost X Games type of uh, a, a lot of extreme sports onto the hill and really making it a 365 day a year you know, place to go to really enjoy fun in the outdoors. Is that happening in China as far as you know? So, um, yeah, the, the 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 short answer is no. Um, from everything that I've seen, uh,
1: and, and I'll preface this by saying I haven't been in there in the summer um, at the at the ski resorts in summer. I've only been there in the winter time. But discussions with resort owners and people involved in the sport, they're asking those questions, saying, "How do we make this a?" four-season resort how do we make it a four-season destination um you know what are what are other resorts around the world doing so they're looking at this saying okay what do we need to do to be like a whistler to be like an aspen to be like you know collingwood ontario these these areas that are literally four-season resorts and and uh, you know as you know being in the west you go to some resorts like you you go to whistler uh, they'll have more people there in august than they would be in uh, in January, um, it's such an important key driver to these resorts to be a year round destination. And I think they're trying to get their head around that in, in in China and saying, OK, what do we need to do to do this? Now, I should also add to this saying a lot of these resorts um, have general managers and executives and developers who come from the West. So they, they know what they, they come from the, 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 the Western uh, resort world. Um, But I think it's 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 trying to get everyone to buy into the the um, obviously to develop summer activities and summer infrastructure. That's a whole other level of investment. And they haven't quite fully gotten their head around that. I haven't seen it. This is based on discussions that I've had with various people.
0: Okay, so let's let's dive into the media aspect. Let's talk about ski TV. Um, What is particularly appealing to Chinese audiences? And then after that. Can we talk a little bit about the diversity that actually exists because there's Alpine and Nordic, and maybe you can even explain the difference between that for our users, our, our listeners or watchers and everybody that's a, that's attending this. Uh, but also, you know, is there, you know, anything between skiing and snowboarding? You know, uh, a lot of people like snowshoeing is, it's just gone crazy uh, as well. A lot of people getting out there. So, you know, again, a little bit, what are Chinese audiences really looking for? What's the appeal to them for Ski TV? And then maybe break down some of the nuances in there.
1: The content that we built for Xinhua was really information driven and, and coming from the mouth of, of the government. So whether that was appealing to the audience or not, we don't really know. We did have the massive views, um, but we do know, for example, talking to different advertisers, they didn't necessarily want to be involved. In China with the government news agency, because they're saying, well, that's just that's just the government talking. You know, we don't really want to, 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 to be involved with that. Um, so we we had uh, a massive number of views, but we don't really necessarily know that that's what the viewer really wanted to see. Um, it, is it the views were there because it was on the right platform? Um, or more for informational purposes. Now we've since been evolved and have been building a, dev- um, a relationship with 10 cent sports and, uh, 10 cent really wants to see, you know, we want to see celebrities. We want to see influencers. We want to see, um, people who are really going to drive our views. So we're kind of, changing up our content to be more um more entertaining for tencent sports than more informational than it was for xinhua news so it's it's a work in progress because um you know since since we've worked with xinhua we've built the relationship with tencent and now we're starting to develop content for them um and i can tell you what really resonates uh with the chinese viewers from an entertainment standpoint is how do you get influencers involved? How do you get celebrities involved? So those are the things that really, really um, drive the Chinese audience from, uh, from the sports day.
0: How would you separate the Chinese audience and then how that drives your programming from a Canadian audience and the programming you would give to them?
1: So the the only way that we could really make it work for us as a company is we are now creating our, our Canadian programming that we, we air on Sportsnet and CBC here in Canada. Um, and what we're doing is we're just repurposing that with Chinese, uh, with Chinese narration, Chinese voiceover, and providing that for, for Tencent. The one thing that we do know does resonate is, like I mentioned earlier, that Western validation of something that's new as sport. Um, but the Chinese don't really necessarily want to see uh, and hear from Chinese people learning about skiing. They want to hear from the experts, which would be the Western um, people in skiing. That's what really resonates with, with the audiences. And you see the same thing in their coaching certification. You see it the same thing in their teacher. I mean, it's, it's, it's no different than uh, uh, skiing in, in, in Canada where somebody that has a, a, a good sturdy Austrian accent already has a high level of credibility if they're on the ski hill. Um It's the same thing in in, in China. Just the fact that it's coming from Western media gives it a new level of credibility. And that really resonates. So the other interesting side point is we are actually having a fair bit of success with our Chinese content that we've developed for Tencent Sport and actually airing it on Chinese channels here in Canada as well. So we take our Chinese content and air it on, on Omni television uh, on their their mandarin programming and then on cbc gem as well on their mandarin programming so it kind of works on on all those different levels but what's really gonna take off in china with our new content moving forward 10 cent sport that's a work in progress and we're, we're we're still figuring
0: that out as well do you think it like does it really work in reverse because you 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 you, you kind of risked on a couple of questions that I did want to ask about. Do we feature Chinese athletes? Do they want to see those more prominently? So I think we gleaned some of those answers. Do you find it ever works even even in our country where, you know, uh, if you have an Australian or an Austrian co-anchor or host of a show, um, is that something that kind of gets looked for in in casting or uh, are we doing that here as well? I, you know what? I, I think so. I mean, like
1: I say I don't know necessarily in the media standpoint, like I, I live here in Collingwood, Ontario, which is just, just North of Toronto and is the ski racing Mecca of Ontario. And it, it's funny because you, you've seen coaches who have an Austrian accent and boom, that's like credibility, just having an Austrian accent. Um, even though that's not necessarily what's naturally best for an athlete or best for a coach. It just, it has that sort of, I don't know, that certain little added, a uh, bit of, bit of, uh, uh, authenticity or credibility that it might, might add to it. I, I should, you know, going to one thing that you said though. Um, I think the Chinese do want to learn about their athletes and learn about their, their performers. Um, and they're having some athletes with some phenomenal success in snowboarding and X games, and, uh, you know, you're going to see some Chinese athletes, uh, getting medals in, uh, in some, some pretty cool, um, areas of, 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 half pipes, snowboarding, big air, that, that kind of stuff. Um, so I think those kind of things are, do resonate with China. And I think those are going to be some, some, some big Chinese celebrities that are going to help, uh, drive the sport after the, uh, after the Olympics. Um, but when it comes to general public or whether it's, a CCTV newscaster or somebody talking about sport, they want to hear from Western voices talking about the sport. And I think um, both from Tencent and from, from Xinhua, we got the sense that the Western voice is validating their sport in their country. So having a Western host come and go to Taiwu ski resort and say, wow, what a great ski resort. That's something that they could hold with pride and say, all right, that's we've, we've been validated by experts from outside the country. Um, And I think that there's a lot of value in that.
0: I mean, you know, it goes back and it's absolutely true. And I know it happens everywhere, but we have good Chinese use cases to almost look to. Whereas Yao Ming being signed and being successful in the NBA validated, yeah, Chinese can play basketball really, really well. And so, you know, no problem. But, you know, it does take a bit of a validation. And I know even just talking to experts in brands, in textiles or others, even in the car industry, they have a bit of a distrust of their own brands, their own abilities. Um, and it takes a while for them to start to build that trust and find that validation within themselves in their own production of whether it's cars or Olympic, uh, champion, uh, losers. Right. So, uh, and I, and I, and I allude to the luge cause I'm interested to know a little bit about, you talked about the big air, you talked about some of the snowboarding, uh, and I don't expect that, you know, the crushed ice uh, hockey races, uh, by Red Bull are going to be taking off in China anytime soon. However, Um, I'm wondering what sports you're seeing are really rising right now because you're in and around the ski hills. You may have seen a bobsled track or two, you know, and the Olympics has a lot of winter sports that are held at a ski resort or in and around a ski resort, even just the you know, the big ski jumping, right? Uh, or, or giant solemn. What are those sports that we might actually see some some Chinese start to podium on? Yeah, I
1: mean I, I think there there is um there's certain sports that I think takes a lot longer to develop an athlete. Um, you know, and, and alpine, uh, ski racing, for example, is one of them. I don't think you'll see any Chinese athletes, uh, coming anywhere close to the podium and alpine, uh, events of slalom, downhill, giant slalom, because that takes it years and, and, and of the sport culture to develop those
0: athletes. To build the uh, programs.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the programs and infrastructure and so on. I think where you will see some, uh, really, uh athletes accelerating from the chinese side are sports that do have some crossover with other sports so like i say when the big air and the snowboarding and so on there's a lot of gymnastics um, involved in that gymnastic skills, uh, freestyle aerials. The Chinese are dominant. They have been for a few years. I mean, it was years and years ago that they said, you know, what, we're going to put our gymnasts and, and put them on skis and make them make them aerialists. And they've, they've been successful with that. They've already uh, already the Chinese are are, uh, are are very dominant on the uh, on the aerial side. And they've had actually a really good uh, relationship with Canada and they train here in the summertime and, and lots, lots of crossover between Canada and China there but things like um yeah definitely uh, snowboard half pipe uh and big air and uh and skiing half pipe and big air and slope style i think you'll see some chinese medals there and you're already seeing some success at the x games from chinese athletes i think cross country skiing there's definitely some uh, some opportunity there i'm not 100% knowledgeable of of where the chinese athletes are but i've, I've heard that there's uh some strong chinese cross country skiers as well um and then uh you know I'm, i i can't say i'm i'm overly familiar with with some of the other winter sports like uh you know like 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 the skating i know well i should i should say i do know that they are they are quite dominant on on speed skating uh short track and long track um but i don't have a ton of knowledge uh about that you know what of this total side story is uh one of the i've got pictures of it on my phone um, you know, just walking around the Olympic Plaza in, uh, in September one year during the, uh, the ISPO show, which is a big international uh, trade show uh, for, for sports, for winter sports. Um, and just in the Chinese Plaza, they had kids um, rollerblading around in circles, tra- training for, um, uh, for speed skating, uh, on, on rollerblades and, and just hundreds and hundreds of kids just ripping around and, and looking like little pros. So, you know, you can see where there's that sort of culture of, of, of sport in, in certain areas and you can see yeah. where they're going to be successful.
0: You see it like they, when they, when they start to love something and they fall in love with it and they are obsessive like they love, love it. And they want to practice it. They want to watch it. They want to consume it in, in, in great amounts. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, and I, I could tell you on that point, like having been to these, these skier resorts, um, everybody to a T that I met who was into skiing was into skiing. I mean, they love it. Like you talk about yeah. passion. I'm like, you know, I've, I've been a skier all my life and like, all right, you know, tone it down. I'm not that excited about it. <laughs> you know, they, like they were, they love it. It was, they get so excited about it. And and I've been involved with a few different events. They've actually been very creative um, in creating different types of ski events that, that bring in orienteering and make it mass, you know, very friendly for mass participation. And they've, they've done a great job with it. And I, I, I love it because to see that much enthusiasm about a sport that you know we we start to take for granted, um, you know there you see a lot of excitement for it it's it's pretty cool.
0: I want to go back and start to kind of bring this uh, to a close, unfortunately, but I wanted to go back and talk a little bit because you um the 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 relationship with Xinhua. And being able to develop a relationship with Tencent, both very, very difficult uh, things to do. Even um, maybe even something that you may are even taking a bit for granted because you have a bit of the the updraft of the, of, of being in sport. It's very kind, friendly. You know, no no danger, uh, and and everybody can get behind it very confidently, and it's very healthy in the whole thing, right? You have all these different updrafts that you get to take advantage of, and then you get this great relationship with Shidwa and Tencent too. Companies that I know many, many, many other organizations and sectors and industries would love to have relationships with. What about some best practices in building the relationship and and driving the relationship and keeping the relationship with a company like a Xinhua or a Tencent? Well, um,
1: I, I think it's, it would come down to basically best practices with, uh, with any company and that's, um, ongoing communication and, you know, they, they very much value honesty, um, and honesty and, and delivering what you say you're going to deliver. Um, and, and if, and when I say honesty, it's like, okay, Hey, we've made a mistake. Here's a problem. Here's how we're going to fix it. They take a lot of value in, in that as well. Um, And it's, it, I get the sense uh, that there's a lot of, uh, when you have a good, strong relationship and it's like with any business, is, 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 is very respectful, uh, relationship that it could, that that they could be very, very loyal to you for a very long time. Um, with Chinois, we've managed to keep a, a, a good relationship even at a time and it, I had more hair when this all started. Um, but even at a time when, uh, you know, the political situation between Canada and China worsened significantly since we started this process. But we've been able to keep a good relationship by just being very, very respectful. And like I say, we're in an area that is, is very safe. Sport, culture, it's all good Feeling kind of stories, things that we're talking about, but it, it's really maintaining the same kind of business practices that you would in the West or, or anywhere else of, of being responsive, being responsible, uh, being respectful, and, and and just building good relationships and personal relationships with the people that you work with.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's really good to hear, and, and I uh, will also echo how loyal uh, once you've earned they're respecting their their loyalty. It can be really hard to lose. They're very, very loyal people. So I deeply appreciate that about uh, the Chinese. Uh, Before I ask you to recommend a couple of guests, because you were actually a recommended guest by Radley McKenzie, uh, an episode we just recently released as well, talking again about a lot of sports uh, in China. I want to ask you first, what does the future hold for ski television in China? So, um, you know, basically we're going
1: to, we're to keep driving, we're putting out content, um, and, uh, creating Chinese content and working with Tencent, um, in, in distributing that content. Uh, as soon as we're able to go back to China, we plan to be back there, um, and creating more Chinese specific content. We have a fair bit in the can already. Um, we maintain a good relationship with, uh, with Xinhua. Um, and by extension, the, uh, Beijing Olympic committee, uh, press, um, uh, press group. And, um, you know, we're going to keep, uh, we're going to keep building, uh, our brand in China. We're going to keep promoting the sport in China and, and hopefully, uh, keep riding the wave of, uh, of the growing demand for winter sport in uh, in the country. Awesome.
0: Okay. So, uh, as we read to a close, who are a couple other people in your network of people that you know, or maybe people that you'd like to know or like to listen to? We could go after them. Who would you recommend as great guests for the show? Well, um, you
1: know, the, 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 the one person that comes to mind, which I think would be would be bang on is a guy by the name of uh, Justin Downs. Um, Justin is a Canadian who um, comes from the ski industry in Canada, but he's been in in China now for I think it must be close to 20 years, um, and he was originally there to start um, uh, d- uh, developing one of the ski resorts, Taiwu. I think he was uh, involved in, in developing the, the ski resort from the very beginning, but he since built a business in China that is. Uh, uh, basically, he's he's the guy when it comes to the ski industry and the connection to the West um, with the ski industry in, in China. Um, he's involved with the Olympics. He's uh, uh, providing a lot of the training for a lot of the safety and ski patrols and, and uh, safety training around the Olympics. And uh, very, very probably the most connected guy between China um, ski industry and, and the West as well.
0: Can't thank you enough for, for coming on the show. Where can people go to maybe watch your content, follow along, or even get in touch with you? Um, you know, there's uh, the two, uh, the uh, ski television.com
1: is, is our website. It's it's basically a landing page that takes you to CBC Gem, um, where you could see any of our uh, past episodes. Um, or s-media.ca is our, our corporate site uh, where you can see all kinds of stuff that we have going on, including what we're doing in China and uh all our contact information there as well
0: awesome mark thank you very much for being on the show my friend hey it was a good time thanks
2: growing a company is hard doing it in a foreign market exponentially so the best piece of advice i can give you is not to do it alone when you start looking across the pond for further expansion possibilities and i sincerely hope that you do make sure you choose the right partners to do it with